This is a great uh, day for us to be together. We're gathered together, really, to focus on God's Word here this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit about a man in the Bible that had a tremendous challenge ahead of him. His name was Jeremiah. He was a young man, and early in his life, God had spoke into his life and was sharing with him what his journey was to be about. Jeremiah was afraid, really, of the task that was ahead of him. It seemed to be such a large undertaking, and he felt so inadequate within himself. Matter of fact, uh, Jeremiah repeatedly reminds the people that this is what the Lord says. And he was trying to help them understand that the message that he was giving to them was not something that he had originated within himself. But these were words that were literally coming from God, and he was the vessel, and God was going to speak through his life. Matter of fact, as I did a little research, I wanted to, I wanted to know Jeremiah just a little better. There's 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah, and I, I wanted to, to read through them just one right after another to just understand really who he was as a man of God and what his struggles were and what his task and what his responsibilities were that God had put on his shoulders. And repeatedly he's saying, this is what the Lord says. Matter of fact, in the Bible, over 400 times it is mentioned, this is or thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord says, or thus saith the Lord. And those men of old, they are just like we are in the fact that they really wanted some way and somehow to to fill the responsibilities that God had put on them in such a way that it really wasn't them, but they were literally a vessel that God would speak through. We don't like change. Change really is hard for us. Matter of fact, I have seen more change rapidly than any time in my lifetime. I've seen a lot of change. There's been a lot of gradual change that has taken place in my life. But to wake up one morning and then just all of a sudden our world is changed. This is my first time in all of my life that we wouldn't be able to gather together and, and worship together. And it's not just here in this town called Lincoln, Nebraska, but all across the country churches have closed and that has never been anything that I have ever seen within my lifetime. A big assignment, but God has a way of coming alongside of us when we, we deal with the difficult things of life. Matter of fact, I want to look again at Jeremiah and the time that he was living. You've got to remember that the kingdom had been divided. There were those that were after the house of Saul and and they, they were called their, the northern kingdom of Israel. And then, and then we, we find that there was the southern kingdom, and that was Judah, and they, they were after David, and there was such a division in the country. I think in reality we're seeing a lot of division 
in the day and the age that we live in, politically or whatever it might be. But Jeremiah was looking at the fact that there was not only change, but there was major change coming. And we don't do well with it. We struggle with it. We would like things to stay the way they are. We, we really like those comfort zones. Matter of fact, a lot of time, the foods we eat, they remind us of something of our own past. We, we think, well, this is what mother used to fix or whatever it might be. We, we, we really struggle to, to let loose and let change take place. We, we have a tendency to try to hold on to the past. But one of the problems is that, that there are times that we let change divide us. We're sure seeing it today in the world that we're living in. I've never seen so much open division in all of my life. There's always been struggle in coming together, but I think that it is more obvious today than any time at least that I have ever seen. Change is a part of life. We not only see it in the political realm, but as we look back through history, we see that change has been a part of the church as well. I was doing a little reading, just trying to understand the world that we're living in. I remember as a young boy, Sunday school was a major part of uh, going to church. And I wanted to know a little bit more just about where Sunday school came from and what has been a part of its, its change in history itself. And I found that in the 18th century in England, that's where Sunday school really started. It wasn't at all like you would think of Sunday school or a Bible group. That's what we really call them more today. But it wasn't at all like what we would think of. They, they literally had a separate building that was separate from the church. And there were so many poor kids that had to work. And they were not getting an education at all. And they built a building, and they called it Sunday School because on Sunday they would have school. And they would gather together, and the, the Bible itself, it was their textbook. They would learn how to read from the Bible. They, they, would, they would take the Bible itself, and they would lay it before them. Each one would, in the class would have a Bible. And they would take the Bible, and they would begin to copy the words that are in the Bible. They would begin to memorize the words so that they could learn spelling. It was totally different than what we think of today when we think of either Sunday school or when we think of Bible groups or Bible studies. Life, it always changes. Life, we don't like it, but life itself will never stay as it is. I remember back during the age when they when I was younger and they really were promoting Sunday school and church growth, there was a man called Jack Hiles and he was the model. He was the one that all the other churches were trying to model after because of the fact that he had had such tremendous success and tremendous growth in the area of church building and Sunday school itself. During that period, it seemed like all the churches, it didn't make any difference what denomination they were, they were all going out and they were buying buses so that they could 
pick kids up and they could bring people to church itself. Life itself changes. I remember reading so much of and listening to some old messages of an evangelist called Billy Sunday. His style was so much different than anything that you and I are used to. He had been a baseball player, and during his sermons, he was very, very uh, dramatic, and he would preach about the devil, and he would preach about God, and he would preach about going around the bases, and literally during the service, he would like slide into first base. Totally, totally different. Changes are basically such a major, major part of life. And we today are looking for a model. We, we don't know how literally to deal with what we're going through. We're looking for someone that can say, this is what is working, this is what I'm doing. This itself is the answer for trying to make the adjustment with the virus and watching your service on TV. Matter of fact, uh, it's interesting for me. I. Uh, you know, I, I was one of the last ones to go from a flip phone to a regular phone, and now here I am sitting in my own living room and watching the service on TV, and then with the, with the group study with Jerome, I sat there doing Zoom, and I didn't even know what Zoom was. <coughs> but life itself is full of changes, but the truth is that God... He is still our source in dealing with the changing times that we live in. God's call to us is that we will turn from the evil in our life and turn to Him no matter what we're dealing with as far as the world that we're in. Jeremiah recognized that some major, major changes were going to take place in his life because God was revealing the future to him. I marvel at these prophets, these men of God. I I marvel at them. For God would give them a message that was not only for the day and the age that they were living in, but God would literally give them a message for future generations. We have not taken the book of Jeremiah because it was written back there and thrown it away, but we have taken the book of Jeremiah and finding that that book is still speaking into our lives, in our generation, in our times, in spite of all of the major changes that have taken place through history itself. I want to go back again into Jeremiah, the first chapter, beginning there with that fourth verse, and here Jeremiah is. Remember, he's a young man. God is speaking into his life. God is talking to him about what he wants out of his life. I remember as a young man when I recognized the fact that God had put a call on my life, that God had called me for a special purpose. And you don't have to be just a preacher to be called of God for a special purpose. I believe with everything inside of me that God has a call on every one of our lives. There is something that he's wanting to accomplish through our life. We are not here to just live so many years and then die and then really find that our life had no value at all. 
I think of an old man that made the statement one day. They were talking to him about his long life. And he said, really, it's not so much about how many years I've lived. It's really about have I lived during those years. And I believe that God, he's on our side and he wants us to get out of life things that will be a blessing to us and a blessing to other people. And here Jeremiah is, and he starts right off. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can you remember back in your own life when the word of the Lord came to you? He, I mean, he spoke literally into your life. I mean, it, it was so dramatic that today, no matter how many years it's been, you still remember when God spoke something special into your life. I remember as a young man when God had given me certain scriptures and it was almost like he put my name on them. One of the things that I remember in the words of God that he had given to me was that God had challenged me to be strong. That's what he told back through the whole scripture. That's what he has been telling the people. That during the challenges of life that we have a challenge to just be strong. Think of your own life. Has God spoken to your life in such a way that you've never really been able to get away from the words that God has spoke? It says, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Uh, can, can I tell you that you can personalize that scripture? Before you were born, God had a purpose for your life. While you were still in the womb, God was shaping you for his purpose. We get confused sometimes when we use the, the word or hear the word sanctified. But in reality, what that is saying is that God has set you apart for a special purpose. I mean, God has had a special purpose for your life, and God has set you apart for a special purpose. And here it said, before you were born, I sanctified you. And then I ordained you. Can I tell you what that is saying is that God put his hand on him. And God put power in his life for the task. Whatever your struggles are, whatever you are going through in your own life, can, can I just tell you today that God has ordained you? In other words, God has put power in your life that you might deal with the difficulties that life brings. When I, when I was young, I used to think that uh, when I got old, I would have fought all my battles. <laughs> and I would just then coast on into heaven. But I just want you to know that in life, there's always struggles 
but God is always there to ordain us or to put power in us to sustain us for the challenges that life itself brings. Now, Jeremiah does something that most of us do when God begins to speak into our life and begins to challenge us. He began to make excuses as to why God had the wrong man. Whatever it is that God is wanting to do through your life, can I tell you that God has a way of equipping us for the task? Whatever the challenge is that you're going to be going through and are going through and we are going through as a nation, if we allow it, God will challenge us for the task. He will will speak into us. He will equip us for the responsibilities that we have on our own shoulders. And he says, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But then, this is the part that I really like, but then the Lord said to me, have you ever been there to where you were giving God all of the reasons why you couldn't make it and you couldn't do what you knew you were supposed to do? And you just gave them all, God all of the reasons why you can't step up to the plate and be the person God wants you to be? I mean, it's a tremendous responsibility for a man to really be the spiritual leader of his own home. It's a tremendous responsibility that is put on the shoulders of a man to be the protector of his own home, the provider of his own home, the one that will make the right decisions for his own home. Uh, Can I tell you the most important thing that God can do in your life is to equip you to be a father, to be a leader in your own home, a spiritual leader. But but here we find it. He says, I'm young, I'm young, I'm a youth. You know, there are times when we've just got to give up the battle as far as battling against what God is speaking into us. And God lays it out for Jeremiah. He says, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. In other words, you're going to do and you're going to fill that place that I have for you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. And then these are the words that all of us need to hear at times from God. It says, do not be afraid of their faces. In other words, do not be afraid of the task that is before you. Do do not be fearful because I will empower you for the task. I, I think we, we, we need to understand what God is saying to Jeremiah. He is saying to us, he says, For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord.
you know, if it wouldn't have been the times that God has not only stirred my heart, but intervened and delivered me from the circumstances that were overwhelming me, if it wasn't for those times that he came and empowered and came into my situations, my difficulties, if it wasn't for the part that God plays in our lives, none of us would make it. Can I just tell you today that he's a personal God? He's a personal Savior. He, he is one that comes alongside of us, and, and, and he will deliver us. He will get into our circumstances. He will at times do miracles to change our circumstances, and he will bring us through the mountains that we sometimes have to climb. Have you got any rivers you, you find, find they seem uncrossable? Have you got some mountains that they just seem so big you can't climb them? Can, can I tell you here today that that God specializes in the things that seem so impossible in life itself. I like what happens here in that ninth verse. Then the Lord, he put forth his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I don't know how many times that I've been in a situation that I didn't even know how to pray a prayer, or I didn't know how to speak the truth that I felt in my heart. I, I, I don't know that I can number the times that I've been overwhelmed with life itself. And God has a way of coming alongside of us and put his words or his truth in our mouth. Other words, when we speak some things, we wonder, where did that come from? How, how is it that I had the wisdom to deal with that circumstance or that battle? How, how is it that I knew what to do? Can, can I tell you that there are still the whispers of God that speaks in our heart and in our soul, and there are still those times when God will guide and direct us as we're trying to do what we feel like God would have us do? Jeremiah wasn't, wasn't living in an, a time when things were easy. Matter of fact, um, we find that he was to preach a message during a time when the people were very reluctant to listen to the message. And they sure didn't like some of the things that he was speaking into their lives. Because he was preaching or speaking to them about prophetic things. He was speaking about what really was to happen in the future. 
I've often wondered, really, would I really want to know what the future holds? Sometimes I feel like that I just want to take it day by day. There are times when I I feel like if God would open up the truths of everything that would happen in the future, that they would so overwhelm me that I couldn't handle them. And we find that here, Jeremiah, God is giving him some insight into some things that were going to happen that could overwhelm him and overwhelm that nation. I don't know where our nation's going. I know that we have such division in this nation that we live in. I know the Bible talks about that a house divided against itself, it can't stand, and there's something about unity. I recognize that a church, if it's divided, it it can't stand, it it won't survive whatever task are out there. There's something about God. He has a way of coming. And when there is such turmoil, He has a way of bringing peace and He has a way of bringing unity. I'll never forget a service that I had years ago. I was speaking at a Christian school. Just little hearts, little kids. And I was having the the chapel service and I I began to speak into the lives of those little hearts. It was really God speaking through me. And I can remember it as if it was yesterday that at the close of that little chapel service, I, I opened the altar. And I seen little kids begin to come and they begin to kneel at the altar. And it wasn't a quick prayer. They were really there because God was dealing with them about some issues in their own life. There was some things in them that God revealed that he didn't like and they didn't like. I watched that day as one little boy got up and he went to a teacher and he, he apologized for something he had done. I remember a little girl that she got up and she went to the phone. They let her use the phone and called her mother and apologized. They were dealing with some things in their own heart. It was one of those times when God just settled upon those little hearts. Can I tell you today that there are times even as adults that we have to go to each other and we have to say, you know, I was wrong. I feel like there's some division between you and me. Life, life is not easy to understand. I'll never forget My wife, Karen, she was at that place where she was getting ready to retire from the University of Nebraska there in Kearney. And and we went in and we were talking with the financial advisor to, to deal with how we were going to deal with her retirement. And during that conversation that we were having there that day, I got a I got a phone call. 
I answered the phone. I went out into the hall and I answered the phone and it was my brother on the other end. We called him Skip. His real name was Earl, but, but as a, a baby, when they brought him home and they told me his name was Earl, I said, you can't call him that. And so he took the name of Skip. But, but I'll never forget, I answered the phone and my brother was on the other end and, and he had just come from the doctor's office. And he said, Jack, I just was visiting with the doctor and he told me I have, I have six months to live. Boy, how our lives can be shaken in just a moment and how our lives can be redirected. We, we found that in that moment, our whole thought process went from our retirement to a brother that was getting ready to come to the close of his own life. One of the things I've preached down through my ministry was that, that God was sufficient no matter what we go through. No matter what the struggle is that we go through, that God has enough grace and enough strength to help us through that journey. My brother and I haven't always agreed on everything. We were brothers. But we come to the point to where it was about every day I was talking to him on the phone as he was going through this process of coming to the close of his own life. And we talked about some things that we hadn't agreed on. And one of the things, I'll never forget that conversation, but one of the things we said so quickly in our conversation was that, you know, really, it doesn't matter. Can I tell you that one of the beauties of God is that he can get us to a point to some things that seem to be like mountains really don't have any real value at all. I watched him as he went through that dying process. I talked to him every day on the phone, almost every day anyhow. And I can remember when he was really coming down to the close. And I, I witnessed, I witnessed what dying grace is all about. I also witnessed him with his struggle with life itself. He went through the struggle of knowing that he was going to leave his family. And we talked about it. He went, he went through the struggle of some of his own past failures and, and I assured him that God's grace is sufficient no matter what our past has been. One of the things that I read here in Jeremiah was that it said that God's love for us, even during our failures, would not let go of us. His love would not let go of us and before God's love would let go of us, God would change the course of nature before he would ever do that. And he's sure not going to change the course of nature. He flung those stars into space, and he's the one that holds this universe together. 
And can I tell you, even though we don't deserve it, that God has a depth of love for us that passes our understanding. And I would talk with him and we would pray together and I would assure him that during this struggle, that no matter what Satan would throw at him, that God's grace was deeper than any sin that he had ever committed. And I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient for any sin I've ever committed, and God's grace is sufficient for any sin you've ever committed. See, Satan, there are some battles he really doesn't want us to win. And I watched him as he won that battle. I mean, he won the battle. I mean, in spite of his body and dealing with the chemo and the after effects and all of that stuff, I, I just want you to know that God's grace was sufficient and he was winning the battle. And then I can remember when he was coming down, he was coming down to the close now, I can remember when he was struggling physically. He was really struggling. They had brought hospice in, and he had a, in his living room, he had a bed that was set up there, a hospital bed. And we would go in, and we would gather around his bed, and I watched him as they, was, as they were giving him medication which would make him sleep. And people would come in and visit with him. And I watched him. He would let them say what they wanted to say. And he had told his wife, because sometimes the medication would make him fall asleep. But he told his wife, he said, whatever you do. He said, before they leave, Wake me if I fall asleep. I want to pray a blessing over them. Can you explain how that works? He had come to the point he would welcome your prayers and all of that. But the truth of it is, his heart desire was to pray for those that came in and out of that little home. Can I tell you, even though death is our last enemy, can I tell you that there is a dimension of God's grace and God's mercy that'll meet us wherever we're at, at the point of our own life. And Jeremiah, he was a man just like you and I. And he had a hard message because it was during a time when the people really felt that they had a security in the fact because of who they were and where they were living. It's interesting. One of the things I've, I've found is that that, that God has a way of making his truth so simple that we can understand it. We, we find that here Jeremiah is speaking to the people, 
And he's saying to the people, I've got a message to you from God. And, and we find that this was the message that they had, he had for them, and it's the message that God has for us. The message was not, have you sinned? Have you strayed away from God? The message was that even now, if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your own land. In other words, whatever your life is right now, whatever your, is coming against you, if, if, if you will turn from your evil ways, I will come alongside of you and I will deliver you. Now that was quite a statement. Because Babylon at that time, they were really out for world domination. They were wanting to rule the world. And Babylon was the one that was going to come and siege uh, Jerusalem. And this was in the prophecies of Jeremiah. But, but Jeremiah is saying to them, if you will quit your evil ways, then, then I just want you to know that God will come alongside of you. And can I tell you this here today? No matter what mess we make of our lives, if we turn from our evil ways and repent, God has a way of coming alongside of our mess and doing a miracle. See, there are times when we mess our lives up to the point that we, we just feel like that there is no answer. Even if I come to God, how in the world I've made such a mess of my life. How in the world could God ever come alongside of my life and straighten out this mess? But here, Jeremiah, he not only speaks to them about the judgments of God, but he speaks to them about the mercies of God. And I want to say to you today that we need to understand that we serve a very merciful God and a very forgiving God and a very loving God. Can I tell you today that God loves you when you cannot love yourself? Can I tell you the love of God, it passes our understanding. And then he goes on, because we in life itself have a tendency to put our security in things that really do not make us very secure. We have a tendency to put our hope in things that really will fail us. And Jeremiah, he speaks and he says, don't be fooled. Thy, by those who promise you safely simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here. The Lord's temple is here. But I will be mercifully only if you stop evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other right. Start teaching, treating each other with justice. If, if you stop exploiting foreigners and orphans and widows, 
Only if you stop your murdering and only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols, then I will let you stay in this land I gave you and I gave it to your ancestors to keep forever. I want to talk a little bit about that. See, the Jewish people took a lot of pride in who they were. I mean, they were the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I mean, they took a lot of pride in the fact that they were God's people. They took a lot of pride in the city of Jerusalem because Jerusalem has always been special to God. They, they took a lot of pride in the temple itself. They, they took a lot of pride that they could go in to the temple and the priest could go in and they could make, they could make sacrifices to, to, to God. They, they took a lot of pride in who they were as a people. And then they even were at the point to where they would think within themselves God has got to protect us no matter how we live because his reputation is at stake. I mean, God doesn't have a choice. I mean, he loves Jerusalem. He loves the temple. We are his descendants. He has made special promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And can I tell you that we need to be careful today in this America of ours? the land of the free and the brave? Can I tell you that we need to be careful even though we have on our money and God we trust? Can I tell you today that we need to be careful even though we are a hub that sends missionaries around the world? Can I tell you that we need to be careful today? Because those things do not mean to God what they might mean to us. In other words, the temple and Jerusalem, they did not mean to God what they meant to those people, even though they were important to God. The thing that was important to God was that they would turn from their evil ways and that they would treat each other justly and right. That's what was important to God. God was concerned that they would love each other, and God was concerned that if there was division among themselves, and there was division, because there were those that were after following after the lineage of Solomon and uh, uh, Saul, and then those who followed after David. And there was such division among them. But can I just tell you today, can I tell you today that what God wants for every single one of us is to bring happiness and fulfillment into our life? Can I tell you that they were wicked back then the same as we're wicked today? Can I tell you as they were claiming to be God's people back then, they were not only worshiping God Jehovah, they were worshiping other gods as well. Uh, can I tell you what they would do back then? 
They would take their own children at times and they would make them as sacrifices to some strange God and their lives would be taken out. Matter of fact, they had a place there that was a cemetery just for the bodies of those children that they had sacrificed to those strange gods. Can I tell you, we're dealing with some of the same issues today that they were dealing with back then. And what I'm saying today is that God is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And if you will turn from your evil ways, whatever mess you have made of your life, can I just tell you today, I'll come alongside of you and I will put the pieces together. Don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here. It's a lie. Do, do you really think you can steal and you can murder? You can commit adultery, you can lie, and you can burn incense to Baal and, and all those other gods of yours and then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant we are safe only to go right back to all those evils again don't you yourself admit that this temple which bears my name has become a den of thieves surely I see all the evil going on. I, the Lord, have spoken. What a, what a, what a message that uh, Jeremiah uh, preached. It's interesting to me when I really read those 52 chapters of Jeremiah to just see the course of it all. I, I, I saw that that, that the people, in their own hearts, they were, they were, they, they were rebelling against God. And I found that in, in Jeremiah, in that 17th chapter, in the 9th verse, Jeremiah really nails it about our heart. In that, in that 9th verse, it begins there, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their own conduct, according to their own deeds they deserve. In other words, it's saying is that we have a heart that can deceive us. I've heard people say, if it feels good, do it. If I feel like it's all right, it's all right. Can I just tell you here this morning, that's, there's a reason why we need to be in the Word of God. There's just a reason why we need to understand the, the truths of God and we need to study the Word of God to, that, we, that we can be pleasing to God because we cannot trust our heart. I think of that song, Search Me. You know, Lord, search my heart. 
If, if there is any wicked thing inside of me, will you just bring it to the surface that I might repent of it? Can I tell you today, there's a reason that we have the Holy Spirit that is in the world in which we live. Because the Spirit of God is the one that convicts and the one that speaks into our heart and speaks into our lives. Because, see, sometimes we cannot, we cannot trust ourselves. What a, what a truth we have. I think of, I think of some of the, the challenges that, that Jeremiah had. Jeremiah, he had been preaching, speaking to the people for about, as a prophet, for about 20 years. And then God begins to speak to Jeremiah and he says, you know, these truths that I've given you, they need to be written down. And uh, I want you to write them down. And that's, that's why we have the book of Jeremiah. I want you to write them down. And so Jeremiah gets, gets a scribe and, and his name is Barak. And he, he's going to write down the words that Jeremiah uh, speaks to him and and, and then they would take those, those scrolls and they would take them into the city and they would read them, which would be like uh, Doug's sermons. He, the way he preaches, he has it all written out. And, and they, would, they would take them into the city and, and Barak would read Jeremiah's words there. And the words of God, they have a way of piercing the spirit, our spirit, our soul. We call it coming under conviction. And, and we find that these messages that were being preached, they, they were really going to the heart of the people and they didn't like the message. And the king, he says, uh, have Barak come here and read those scrolls, those sermons of Jeremiah's. And so Barak, he comes and he's there with the king and others around there that were in the higher hierarchy there. And the king didn't like what he was hearing and the king would take the scroll and he would cut it in pieces and burn it. I mean to tell you, they didn't have printing presses like we have today where you burn one Bible and there's other Bibles that we have. And they, they literally, what they did is they, 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 they took the, the, the Word of God that God had given Jeremiah and they burnt them, those words, and then God speaks to Jeremiah and says, you and Barak get together again. We're going to rewrite this thing. Can, can I just tell you, 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 you really can't fight against God and win. You know, there are times we run from God. There are times we do all kinds of things to try to get away from God and what God is speaking into our lives. 
There are times we take our Bible and we put it on a shelf and we, we don't read it because we're afraid of what it might speak into our life. But can I tell you, you, you can't outrun God. You're not big enough to defeat God. Can I tell you, whatever happens in your lifetime and my lifetime, when it's all done, God's still going to be on the throne. I think of what we're going through, and I just want you to know today that whatever happens in your lifetime and my lifetime, God is still going to be on the throne, and he's going to be the one that is still in charge. For he is God. I want to say it again. There are times when God just speaks to us, and he's saying to us, be strong. Be strong. I want to close with this. You have more power in you than you realize. You have more power in you than you realize. If you have God in your life, you have more in you than you realize. You might be dealing with some very difficult things in your life, but I just want you to know that there's more in you than you realize. Uh, this last week, I was reminded again of what I went through. I watched my brother die, but then I remember when I died. And one of the things that was part of my healing and bringing me back was the love and the prayers of God's people. Okay, can I tell you when I was out of my body and I was in the presence of God? Can I tell you I could feel the love and I could feel the prayers of God's people? Can I tell you today that you and your prayers have more power and you and your love has more healing power than you understand? And I felt that love and I felt that power. And I want to close with this. I don't know where you're at, but I know this, that all of us have some kind of struggles that we have in our own life. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know God knows and I know that that's part of life. I know that God's grace it's sufficient for whatever your struggle is whether it's physical or whether it's just being the person you want to be or maybe it's the fact that you have strayed away from God and you know you know you need to just come home you need to come back to the father you need to pull yourself up to the table He's got a feast that he's prepared for you. And he wants you to partake of it. And the enemy might say, well, you've made such a mess of your life that there isn't really any way for that to happen for me. It can happen for other people, but not for me. Can I just tell you what God said to Jeremiah? He said, if you turn from your evil ways... 
you don't have to know a lot of theology. You, you know, really, the whole truth is, it's the simple gospel, the simple truths of the Bible that change our lives. So I'm speaking to you today, and I'm telling you today that no matter where you're at in your journey, that God is more than sufficient. I can't tell you what your prayer needs to be. You only know what that prayer is, but we're going to close with a prayer. And whatever God has spoken to your life from his word here today, I pray that you will act on that. And I'm going to pray a prayer, but really the important thing is that you pray your own prayer. Our Father, number one, we know you love us. You care about us, and you're bigger than whatever the problems are in our lives. We know, Father, that you love us to the point that your grace can cover our sin. In other words, there's more power in your blood than the power that's in the sins that we've committed. There's more power in you than there is the power in the devil. For you rebuked de demons and you, you spoke into people's lives. And Lord, you help people make turnarounds in their lives. People that were going backwards, you helped them, Lord, to the point instead of going backwards in their life, they were now going forward in their life. And so, Father, I pray that here today that this message, that it will speak into the hearts and the lives of people that are listening today in a message of hope. And I pray, God, if there's a person out there just now that as just saying, Lord, I want to come to the table. I want to, I want to pull up to the table. I want to be there a part of what you've prepared for me. I want to partake, partake in the blessings that you've made. Then I pray, God, that this will be a miracle moment in their lives. If you've spoken, you can speak, Lord, the power. And you can cut off the things that weigh us down. And we thank you for that basic truth in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And God bless you. Amen. Once again, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. And if today you made a decision for the first time to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear about that. We'd love to celebrate with you and pray with you as you begin this journey. So until next week, know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next week.